The Modern Tire Dealer Show is sponsored by MTD10, the training and education network. Formerly DSB20 Group, 10 is the most progressive, comprehensive resource offering tire dealers the solutions, connections, and training they need to reach their goals. From one-on-one coaching and 20 group networking to real-world on-site problem-solving and exclusive content, 10 offers an all-encompassing approach to education unlike anything the industry has ever seen, one that will ensure your business succeeds long-term. Learn more about what 10 can do for you and your business at mtd10.com. Welcome to the Modern Tire Dealer Show. I'm Mike Mangus, editor of Modern Tire Dealer. Today we're talking with Dennis McCarran, partner at Cardinal Brokers, one of the leading tire dealership brokerages in North America. Dennis has more than 30 years of tire retail experience and advises independent tire dealers on a wide range of business topics. He also writes MTD's monthly business insight column. Today, Dennis will address what tire dealers who are thinking about exiting the business need to do in order to prepare their company for a possible sale. He'll talk about why it's important to make sure your rent is correct and your labor rates are up to current market standards, when you should start revising vendor contracts, why not being all things to all customers will make your business even more attractive to buyers and more. Dennis, at some point or another, all tire dealers are faced with the decision to sell their company or keep going. What are some tips for dealers who are prepping their dealership for a possible sale? Thanks, Mike. Uh, it's a good question. And, uh, you know, we're probably not going to hit on all the the, the small things and, and, you know, the whole encompassing act of selling. But there are some, some main points to consider uh, for any tire dealership uh, owner who would like to think about selling their business and probably the, the front runner the, by, by nature of its position, the most important is that you have to plan for this about two to three years in advance. You can't just wake up one day after having a bad day or having an employee quit on you and decide that you want to throw in the towel and, and just walk away. Um, this is a, it's a big deal. It's your whole life for, for most owners. Uh, and it's something that must be uh, worked on methodically, piece by piece. So when you decide that you want to start planning for this, <clears throat> the first thing, uh, after you decide that you are interested in, in selling a business or preparing to sell your business, is you have to get your financial affairs in order. You have to start running the business like you're getting ready to sell it, which is different than when you first opened up and you're just trying to acquire as many customers as you possibly can. So when we say getting your financial affairs uh, in order, one of the main things uh, that we would talk to clients with is making sure that you're charging yourself market rent. Uh, if you own the property, hopefully you do, that's, that's gonna be a big source of income post-retirement. But if you, if you own the property, make sure you're keeping up on market rents. You're charging anywhere between five and a half to 6% of sales. You know, for a lot of owners, they're attracted to the front counter and taking care of customers and making sales. So maybe it's been two, three years uh, since you've looked at what your rents are supposed to be. And the reason making sure your rents are current, let's say, uh, 
you've been charging yourself $90,000 a year in rent, but your sales have had an increase year over year for three years straight. And now you're only at, let's say, four and a half percent to sales on your rent. Well, if you were to sell at that moment, when you go to a buyer and say, hey, I'd like to sell my business to you, they'll say, okay, we'll gladly buy this business and we'll continue to pay you $90,000 a year in rent. And that's when the seller says, oh, no, 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 I just, I forgot to bump that up. I want to make it $120,000. Well, that difference now, that $30,000 difference in rent now comes out of the selling price of the business. Uh, so it's very important to make sure that the owner sits down and, and goes about their, their finances and make sure that, that number one, they're charging themselves the right rent. That's, that's a big mm-hmm. chunk of money right there. Number two, and people know this in my column, I probably talk about it three, four times a year, uh, your labor rate. You know, when I started in the industry, the labor rate was about $55 an hour. And I'm, I'm not old yet. Uh, I'm middle-aged. <laughs> um, and just a couple of years ago, maybe 2018, 2019, I was pressing people to get their labor rates up to $100 an hour. Guys were sitting around 85, 90, 92. Uh, labor rates throughout the country are now well past 100 uh, probably in the suburban and rural, it's about 120, 125. In major metro, they're already hitting 145, 150. Um, and that has a lot to do with the current conditions. Uh, it's hard to find employees. You have to attract them with very, very high painting packages. Um, and that cost gets transferred over to the consumer. Um, so if your labor rates are not where they're supposed to be, you're not going to get nearly as much money for your business as you would want to. Uh, it's, it's very important, uh, not only from collecting uh, in the sale price, but also in making your business profitable a few years ahead of selling it. The more profitable your business is over the next two, three years, exponentially affects the amount of money you can sell your business for. So that, that's really important. And of course, hand in hand with labor rates comes gross profit margins. Um, gross profit margins in today's modern tire shop, if the sales are split around 50-50 between tires and service, uh, your gross profit percent should be about 55 to 60%, depending on if tires are heavier uh, than service or service is a little heavier than tires. Um, that's what buyers, sophisticated buyers, uh, are looking for in today's modern shop. Nobody wants to take over a shop that only makes about $5,000 a year. And the employees are woefully underpaid. The labor rate is $40 behind the modern times. The rent isn't being kept up. That's just too many headaches. It's too many uh, red lights for a buyer uh, to address. So again, this goes back to two, three years in advance. You want to start making these changes because if you do it three months before you sell, a buyer is going to ask for several years worth of financials. They want to see the, tr- the uh, rolling trend of your business. They're not just going to base it off of the last three right. 
four months right. of your business. So those things, I think uh, planning in advance and getting your financial affairs in order are, are the biggest critical pieces in getting ready to sell your business. You know, Dennis, you're an advocate of, of working on your business, not necessarily in your business. What do you mean by that? And how does that play into effectively preparing your dealership for a potential sale? Yeah, I, I, I didn't invent the phrase by, by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I am a big advocate for it. And when I consult with clients who want to stay in the business and just be more profitable, when I talk about working on the business and not in it, it has to do with dealing uh, on the, the banking side of running a business, the business side of running a business. So you're dealing with your vendors, dealing with your banks, you know, making sure your balance sheet is, is in order, your inventories are correct, all, all of those things. The things that are not done while standing behind a counter selling a set of tires and an alignment uh, to a customer or pulling cars in and out uh, for the technicians so that they can get cars done faster. Um, when we talk about working on your business and not in it as far as selling your business, uh, it's one of those key factors that buyers are looking for. Um, to put it succinctly, is the business directly tied to the face and personality of the owner? Uh, or is it tied to the employees and the, the longstanding reputation of the business name? If the owner is behind the counter every day, uh, either managing or micromanaging the sales, then buyers are very leery in stepping in because if that owner goes away, they're worried that the business will go away with it. Um, that's why most people, when they, most businesses, when they come in to, to buy a company, they desperately want to retain the employees because it really, it's the employees that have that relationship with the customers. The sign outside can change. Um, you know, that, that'll be dealt with. It's pretty pretty small speed bump there. But the they want the employees to stay. And if the owner sells, the owner has to go away. Um, you don't want the owner staying on board. That's very complicated. It's like, like the two, having two popes, <laughs> the Pope of Rome and the Pope of Antioch. Right. Um, and it just, it's hard for an owner to transition from being the ultimate decision maker to more of an employee role. That's, a, that's an extremely difficult transition for an owner to make. They could do it for a short while. Uh, when, when it's asked to happen, I always caution my clients to no more than three months max. Um, you're just not going to like the decisions that other people make about your former business. It's human nature. Um, some, so some of the other items of, of, to get you away from the front counter and let your employees do their work, do work their magic, uh, fixing cars and working with customers. Uh, some of the things we, we've mentioned to make sure you're Inventories are in order with modern times, you know, not everywhere in the country, but in a lot of places in the US, you're at least up to two deliveries a day, if not three. And in some some major metro areas, it's hot shots all day long. Um, you really want to make sure that your inventory is current um, stuff, you only have stuff that moves very quickly. Um, you want to make sure 
that you manage your contracts in the business. Um, back in the old days, you used to sign on for uniform contracts for a year. Uh, and in today's modern age, people are opting for either a month-to-month -month contract or no contract at all. When a buyer uh, takes over a business, it does make it a lot easier to roll everything into the new business, um, like cable, internet, um, uniforms, coffee service, rugs in the shop, things like that when things are just month to month. In other words, old contracts with the old business name can get severed easily and a new month to month or non-contract agreement can be made. Dennis, at what point should a dealer begin cleaning up inventory and uh, powering down or shortening those contracts? Is it a year in advance, a year and a half in advance? What's well, the sweet spot? If I can get on my pulpit for a moment, it's twice a year, every year, right? So this should be an ongoing process. It should be, but I, I understand the realities of business. It, it, it doesn't always work out that way. You know, people quit, they, they get hurt, you're short staff, people go on vacation, and things happen. I understand that. Uh, a physical inventory really should be done at least once a year. It's especially now with today's current inventory levels, you know, people aren't, they're not stocking 5,000 tires, so typically. Um, you know, right. obviously there's some big guys out there that do. But um, with, the, with the lower inventory levels, inventories are not, not that difficult anymore. So you should have at least a good on-hand inventory. And then if, if you're two to three years out from selling, you really need to get into a routine of at least twice a year looking at your, you know, top 50 SKUs, your on-hand accuracy, you know, writing off uh, bad tires, uh, you know, making sure everything is current. You know, there's not a stack of bus tires from 1979. <laughs> you know, it still may exist somewhere out there. Personal story. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, those are the yeah. things. Um, you know, those are the things that, that an owner needs to focus on because that the smoother a sale uh, happens, the happier both parties are. And you're not trying to chase down, you know, dead vendor contracts and, you know, items that you can't find. And, and it just extends that period uh, where you initially agree to a sale price and, and the actual day where you close. That's a stressful time. And mm -hmm. the easier that is to manage, uh, the better for both parties. Should this winnowing down process also apply to the, the types of auto service that you offer in addition to tires? Uh, yes. So when, when anybody starts their business, um, you know, you, you, kinda, you got two nickels to rub together. Maybe you have one other employee uh, and you take on any kind of job you can get your hands on. You're trying to establish your reputation in the market. Uh, after a couple of years, if, if you're a good operator, you've established your reputation. Hopefully you're honest, uh, trustworthy, um, you, know, you fix mistakes, and you charge a, a fair price for good work. Uh, once that's established, 
you don't have to take on every nightmare job that shows up at your front door. Um, and especially in that two to three years of prepping for your business, you want to make sure that you focus on the high turn, high margin jobs that make your business attractive to a buyer. So breaks, front end, suspension, uh, heating and cooling, lubrication services. Um, I, listen, I'm not saying that for a lifetime customer who's you know come to you for 30 years getting their car fixed, you're not going to throw the occasional fender on on their old car or chase down an electrical short you know for someone who's been really loyal to you as a customer. But you want to start making decisions that are good for both the customer and the business. And I, I see a lot of dealers. They get bogged down in these these hand grenades that get lobbed into the shop. It's mm -hmm. just it's just a job they never should have touched in the first place. They're not experts in the area, but they're trying to do someone a favor, and it it ties up a bay. It hurts your ability to turn uh, more customers through the business, and, and ultimately it hurts your net profit. So not being all things to all people can really make you a more attractive prospect from a buyer's standpoint. Yeah, you know, like I said, I wouldn't go crazy. I don't want to turn away any of my good customers that that genuinely genuinely need a service. Uh, but I will say this: if 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 you're a niche shop, if you know, if you're the if you're the the best known BMW servicer in the tri-state area, even though there's BMW dealerships, that's going to be a tough sell to, to the next person. Um, because it's it's really tied into a very narrow band of services. Same thing if if it's too broad. If you're doing a little bit of body work in the back and you're doing a little bit of uh, you know junkyard parts replacements on top of oil changes, most buyers want to come in and hit that sweet medium spot mm -hmm. of tires, maintenance, and replacing wearable parts, not not the whole spectrum. And once again, like working towards that happy medium doesn't, doesn't happen overnight. It, it takes time. Right? Correct. You, you, one, once you have about five to 10 years uh, experience and reputation uh, in a market, nothing happens overnight, right? Not, nothing of significance. You can paint the building. But um, you, you don't want to disrupt your business so drastically that it could hurt you. What you want to do is wean off of it. And again, this goes back to the two, three years planning phases. Again, uh, you know, if a, a known loyal customer comes in and, and asks me to do an odd service, a, a window regulator on their, you know, hot rod or something. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going to take care of that customer. But that customer also knows that I may need that car for a week and a half because I'm, I'm going to focus on my main business and get to that when I can. When a first time customer walks through the front door and says, uh, I have an intermittent electrical problem with my Volkswagen. You know, what, what marketing have you done to draw that customer to your front door? Right. Uh, and if you're, if you're running your business day to day, hey, roll the dice if you want to. I, I wouldn't take that car in. But if you want to, go ahead and roll it and see what happens. But when you get into that two, three year window, maybe, maybe you ought to make that job a referral to a, a specialist. 
makes makes total sense. And you also are a big advocate of making sure that your uh, your shop, your waiting area, your entire facility is well maintained and clean at all times, which sounds like basic table stakes, but this is a really important thing that's, if you're prepping for a sale. That's a, that's a good way of, of putting it, Mike. Um, none of us in the business in today's day and age are grease monkeys uh, running a, a tire shop and slinging tires mm -hmm. and whatever you know catchphrases there were a decade or two ago. Mm -hmm. um, we're in retail, and I can't stress that enough to every owner out there particularly the owners, you're not in the tire business. Maybe your salesperson is, but as an owner, you're not, you're in retail and you don't walk into a target and see stuff all over the floor. You, you don't, you don't walk into a bank and see a, a filthy, dirty coffee machine. Well, we haven't seen coffee machines in a year, because <laughs> of the pandemic, but right. Uh, you know, point being made, Banks are in retail, Target's in retail, uh, we're in retail, you know, Best Buy, you, I mean, you don't walk into a Best Buy and, and see a disaster. And, and, you know, to further the point, towards the tail end of Kmart, I actually don't even know if Kmart still has a physical facility left, but towards the end there, you walked into a Kmart, it was like zombie land, the shelves were empty, there was stuff yeah. all over the floor couldn't find a person to help you um, in those two find if you're not doing it now in those final two three years you really have to focus on running your business like it's straight up retail uh, clean uh, showroom waiting area it doesn't have to be fancy it just has to be clean and nice uh, clean coffee station countertops uncluttered um, you know you can have a tire display if you still have to display tires. I don't think it's a necessity anymore, but if, if you do, you can display it, but the banners and the loud colors and the inserts and just clutter of stuff, get rid of all that. Uh, and then, we, and then obviously the bathrooms are, are key. You got to keep the bathrooms clean. Uh, and then even out in the shop, I mean, obviously it, it you know, working on cars is a dirty business. Um, but, you know, if there's 25 years of soot on the walls and, you know, the floors haven't really been scrubbed in a couple of years, it's, it's, it, it's time to clean that stuff up periodically. Well, that, that's a great point because so many dealerships now allow customers to look into the service base or the service area, whereas 20 or 30 years ago, that was not as common today. Yeah, and it's, it's the continuing evolution, right? Um, you know, I, I can tell you when I first started in the business, the Pirelli calendars and the Matco tools calendars and the, you know, all that stuff was, was out in the shop. And, you know, you just, you just hit a point where you just sat your guys down and said, you know, guys, this just isn't acceptable anymore. You know, 50% of the people that come in here are female and, and probably half the guys really don't, aren't, aren't good with it either. So it's time to take those, those kind of things down. So it's been this, evolution i call it towards professionalism you know again you'd never go into a bank and sit down and try and get a mortgage for your house and the guy opens up his cabinet drawer and there's a little you know calendar. right right or or <laughs> just you know a, a desk that's just overflowing with stuff it's yeah so, so you're really you're 
advocating that dealers take their cues not necessarily from the the other auto service store down the street or the other dealership across the road, but from other established retail businesses. I, I do. I, I think that's how we all get there. I think that's how we all get to the next step. Um, certainly, there's there's been a lot of, of mergers and acquisitions. The the big guys are getting bigger. Um, but the, the independents, whether you're a large independent or a small independent, you can position yourself either to continue dominating your area uh, or position yourself if you, if you want to get bought up um, by, by someone bigger. And, and the attraction there is that, quite frankly, that you're going to get the most bang for your buck in the sale. Um, if you sell, it, it, it's very difficult in today's day and age to take a, a independent dealer who does, let's say, $1.5 million in sales mm -hmm. and turn around and, and ask an up-and-coming mechanic, hey, you want to buy my business? Uh, I'll sell it to you for $900,000 and you know $20,000 a month in rent. It's just it's difficult and it's risky. First of all, no bank's going to approve of that. So you're going to be off the books on the, on the loan, which means if that mechanic fails, you're right back in the tire business. And the, the whole point of selling is to get out. Is to get out. Dennis, so, I'll, I'll, go ahead. So, you know, the idea is to find a reliable uh, business that will rent your property. Hope, again, hopefully you own the business, but they'll rent your property for 20 some plus years. Um, and that's for a lot of owners, that's, that's their retirement. They, they've worked really hard their whole life. They've struggled in the beginning. They, they gave themselves a good life to live through the middle and near the end. And now post-retirement, a lot of that is, is, uh, is their retirement fund. Dennis, I want to thank you for joining us today. That's all great advice and information. I'm sure our listeners will find it to be extremely uh, interesting and, and useful and look forward to talking to you again soon. All right. You too, Mike. Thanks. The Modern Tire Dealer Show is sponsored by MTD 10, the training and education network. Formerly DSB 20 Group, 10 is the most progressive, comprehensive resource offering tire dealers the solutions, connections, and training they need to reach their goals. From one-on-one -on -one coaching and 20-group networking to real-world on-site problem-solving and exclusive content, 10 offers an all-encompassing approach to education unlike anything the industry has ever seen, one that will ensure your business succeeds long-term. Learn more about what 10 can do for you and your business at mtd10.com. Thanks for listening to the Modern Tire Dealer Show. To contact Dennis McCarran, email him at dennis at cardinalbrokers.com. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you again soon.